All right, we're back for another show this week. We have a special guest. Before we get to the special guest, I'd like to welcome you guys all back to the All-Star MMA Pick Show. I'm your host, JHK. You can follow me at JHKMMA. Um, and I am joined by, of course, my co-host, Jay Speck, the host. You see him on my right or left. I don't know for sure. And uh, Mike's MMA Picks, he's down below. He's going to be our analyst for the week. He's uh, phenomenal at what he does, so you guys need to really pay attention to what he says while the, the the discussion rolls on. Today, man, we got UFC 284 happening in Perth, Australia. We'll be going through all the fights, making our picks, making our predictions. Throughout the show, we'll be utilizing the All-Star app and its picks option. Go into the descriptions right now and download the app to follow along and make your own picks. I will be making my picks live on the air throughout the show and Jay Speck, he's showing his, you know what I mean? Um, my record so far this year for every single UFC. So we had two UFC Vegas shows and a, and a pay-per-view UFC 283. My record for my picks is 26, 10 and one. The one is of course the Duho Cho fight from last week. Jay Speck is sitting at 23, 22, 14 and one. So I'm beating his ass kind of just with respect. All right, all right. So you guys download the app, play along with us, get your friends on the uh, on the app, build the community. There's leagues, there's contests, there's prizes, and a lot more coming. So look out for all of that stuff. Um, now let's jump into it. UFC 284 to kick off the event. We got a featherweight matchup. Let's get the app on the screen. Here we go. Boom. There's the app right there. The featherweight matchup between Zubera. Tukugov, I'm terrible with names. Uh, you know, I will never get the names right. Versus Elves, Brenner. I've heard rumors that this fight was going to be at lightweight, but I don't know. It says featherweight, so uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, let's get into Zubera first. 32 years old, 25 and 1 record, 5 2 1 in the UFC. He has eight finishes, seven in the first round, 12 decision wins. Last win was against Ricardo Hamos in late 2021 after losing a, a split decision to Hakeem Dawadu. He's been off for around 15 months, and he's had a, a number, a number of canceled matchups. On the flip side, you got Elves Brenner, 25 years old, 13-3 and record. He will be making his UFC debut. 92% finishing rate, 11 submissions, 8 of them in the first round. Never been finished. He's also has 11 months between fights. Mike, what do you see in this matchup? There is a discrepancy in skill set when you watch the tape on this specific matchup. Tuhukov coming in with a massive amount of UFC experience. Um, Mr. Brenner coming in, a shoot-a-box fighter, somebody who's going to hunt for the submission early and often. The problem is this is a, a fight where Tuhugov is primarily a striker. He's going to be look to, looking to exchange on the feet. You have Brenner, who's locked up, I believe, seven finishes via armbar. The problem is I don't see this fight hitting the mat often, and that is Brenner's best shot at victory here. So if this fight plays out on the feet, which I expect it will, then Tuhugov should be able to get the better of the exchanges. I see Brenner trying to sell out at all costs to try to get this fight to the mat, and I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be successful. I was looking at um, there's a certain prop 
fight doesn't go the distance is uh, hovering around evens. I see this fight. I mean, you look at the odds and Tuhugov is a massive favorite. And you have to wonder the trip for Brenner across the pond here. He, he seems outmatched. It's going to take a horrific weight cut. Now, you brought up a great point, John, that uh, Tuhugov has traditionally fought at 145 pounds, and now this fight is up at lightweight. So you have to wonder about that. But the pick for me is going to be Tuhugov, and uh, I could see him getting this done inside the distance. I don't like laying massive amounts of juice and He's, I believe, between minus 500 and minus 600 favorite. So I'm going to be picking to Hugoff there. Chase Beck, what do you see? Well, kind of a snoozer for an opener. You know, let's be honest. The fans not liking the way the UFC frequently uses pay-per-view cards for debuting fighters. There's quite a few debuting fighters. Mr. Brenner is being part of that bunch. Uh, Tukagov on the other side, 12 of uh, his 20 wins are by decision. I don't see fireworks in this one. Fans don't see fireworks in this one. This is not getting the juices flowing as far as entertainment value as an opener goes. So with that being said, the fans have spoken, though. Uh, ran a little poll. Tukagov getting the go-ahead of the support by the people, 71% for him. And uh, I am inclined to go the same way. My pick is uh, Tukagov. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna also take Tukagov in this fight. Um, yeah, he's he's just more experienced, and he's he's only flying over from Phuket. He did his training camp down there. I think he was there with uh, with uh, Tysimov, you know, a name that's been wow. hasn't been around for a while. Tysimov's down in Phuket training. Actually, I saw him training when I was there a few weeks back when Volkanovski was there at Bangtao and uh, yeah. And then Zubera was there as well. Uh, so his flight is not that long. You know, I think it's a couple hours. He should be in Perth, ready to go veteran. You know, when there's a veteran versus a newcomer and the veteran is not that old and, and has that skill set, you got to go with it. I'm going to take Tukagov. I think Tukagov will get the, the TKO. I'm looking at the TKO. I think I'm going to go with the second round TKO. I think Brenner can survive to that uh, to that extent. Um, now, let's go to the next fight on the cards. Here we go. Featherweight. There's a lot of featherweight matchups here mm-hmm. on this card. A lot of featherweight matchups here. And the next featherweight matchup we got, let me get this fight on the card right here, is between Blake Builder and Shane Young. Builder, 32 years old, undefeated, 7-0 and with one, uh, what is it, draw. And he's making his UFC debut. Contender Series winner, first round submission last year. 71% finishing rate, four submissions. Shane, Shane Young on the other side, uh, a New Zealand native, 29 years old, 13-6 and six record, 2-3 and three in the UFC. He is sitting on a two-fight losing streak. 77% finishing rate, six TKOs, four submissions. And he's coming off a, a really, really long layoff, 22 months. Mike, what do you see? Yeah. Oh, this is excuse a... me, Mike. Sorry about yeah. that. We got a video. We got a video. We got an interview. Um, let's, let's see it. Let's see the interview with Blake. Let's see what Blake has to say about the fight. My expectations are to go out there and get a, get a finish. Mm-hmm. My expectations are to show people that, uh, that, that, I'm the new kid on the block, you know, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm common, you know, like, like, I don't like, I don't think they, they, they realize like, I'm not, I'm not here 
I'm not here to play around, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Conor McGregor said, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to partake either. Like I'm here to take over. Like my goal is to, is to, is to win, not to not lose. You know what I mean? Like I'm here to win. I'm here to stay. I'm here to, you know, become pound for pound greatest. You know, I, I want goat status. You know, I want to, I want to go in and, and, and prove myself right over and over and over again. Mike, what do you got? Wow. Well, the young man doesn't lack any confidence. That's for sure. I enjoyed that interview and thank you for the interview, John. I appreciate that. This is a very closely lined fight, hotly uh, contested bout. And I believe it's going to take a mistake on one fighter's part here. Uh, and another fighter is going to capitalize on it. We could say that about just about any fight, except you look at Builder and he has a uh, submission that you look up and down his record and you watch how he fights. Oftentimes he's put in some tough spots and then he sees an opening and he hops on it as he did in his contender series bout um, locked up a submission there. The problem is he's fighting against Shane Young who fights like a man possessed to be honest. And I, I feel bad for young in, in a sense when he was matched up against Omar Morales, it seemed like there was a massive size discrepancy in that specific matchup. You look at, Builder CFFC champion, uh, 14-0 considering his um, his amateur record, if you were to combine amateur and pro fights. So he's going to be riding high heading into this matchup. I like Young's cardio here. I also think that the home crowd should be propelling, uh, propelling Young to a certain degree. I think that, that uh, you want to talk about, Rob, you brought up a great point about the curtain jerker, how it was lacking some pizzazz and some uh, some crowd enthusiasm. And that they could have kicked it off with this fight. This fight, um, the fight, I'm looking at the odds. Fight doesn't go the distance is sitting at minus 140. So the odds makers are expecting this one to finish. I'm going to be going with Shane Young here. I think that he is going to do enough to get the victory and the volume of young should be the difference maker. You watch the way builder fights and he, it's almost like a, um, I, I want to be respectful here. He's, he's like a, a light version of, of, of Frankie Edgar, the way he, he maneuvers around the octagon. He's moving left and right and, and cutting angles and trying to get in and get out. But I don't think that's going to be effective here against Young. I think Young's going to beat him to the punch and it's going to be able to walk him down and eventually um, eventually earn a TKO victory late in this fight. So I'll be going with Shane Young. Jay Speck, what do you got on this one? Well, you know, this is one of those that does have, like we were talking about what was lacking in the previous fight. He's got the people behind it people are actually talking about this fight given that it's the second fight on the card and the poll that we let uh put out there for the fans thank you guys for participating is split down the middle for this one 50 50 hmm. right that's interesting um but we got people you know shouting out some 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 love for uh for for some of these fighters i'm gonna give a little read for chappy uh skims giving us ufc debuts are tough but l animal looks pretty good the Aussie crowd sounds wild, though. 
it should be a good fight. So he's already looking forward to this, forward to this fight. And Zach likes MMA. Blake takes uh, takes this one. Great debut fight for him, as I feel the layoff for Shane will be a factor here. And that's something I want to build off of too, right? You, the layoff things, it varies from fighter to fighter. We don't know if that's going to affect them or not. Some people say a ring rust is real. Some say it's not. But if you go and watch the rest of JHK's awesome interview with uh, Blake, he talks about something that rang a bell with me and him dealing with uh, his younger brother's suicide mm. and still maintaining a professional, uh, unblemished professional record. These kind of intangibles are hard to even find in life gen- in general, but now we have it open information from a guy who literally has to test what he's made out of every single time he goes into work. That sways me and sways the fans uh, to go with Mr. Builder on this one. Well, man, this is a tough one. This is a a serious toss up here with Builder coming in as an undefeated prospect and Shane Young cutting his teeth already a few times in the UFC. He has had a long layoff, but he's tough as hell, man. The guy goes in there and he fights like he will fight tooth and nail. He'll get clipped. He'll get back up and throw bombs. I think that's what's going to happen in this fight. I think this fight is going to be I think Young's going to be able to lure a builder into throwing bombs and kind of get away from like doing what he wants to do. Is builder wants to go to the ground? He wants to get the submission, right? So I think Shane yeah. Young's going to like lure him into like a, a, a some striking some striking exchanges, and Young's going to be able to clip him. And I think he's going to swarm him. I think it's going to be a first round finish for Young. I'm going to go with TKO first round. There you go, beautiful, beautiful. Right now, let's move on to the next fight in the strawweight division. Uh, it's the only women's fight on the card, which is hmm. uh, it's very rare to only have one women's fight on the card, right? There's so many women in the UFC. I, just very odd to me. But anyways, Loma Lubumi, 27 years old, 7-3 and three record, 4-2 and two in the UFC. She has wins over Sam Hughes, Jinyu Frey, and but every fight she has... She has competed in the UFC. She has went the distance, win or lose. So you guys got to, you know, keep your eye on that. On the other side, you got Elise Reed, 30 years old, 6-2 and two record, 2-2 two and two in the UFC. She has decision wins over Corey McKenna and Melissa Martinez. And both of her losses are via TKO. Before we get to Mike uh, and, and his analysis of this matchup, we're going to play uh, a snippet from both these ladies from previous uh, recent interviews. Here's Elise Reed. Yeah, she she's obviously one of the best, if not the best, tie fighter in the UFC right now because it's just been her bread and butter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's she's from Thailand. That's what you expect is is her to do that really well. So she hits really hard. Her techniques are really fast. She moves forward. She's very aggressive. So it's definitely a fight where if I do my game plan the right way, it's going to be all gravy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she gets her timing and feels comfortable and starts pointing out to the side like she did her last fight and and here's the the cheering from her corner then then I'm going to be in trouble so um uh, it's i think two tacticians that have very unique skills that are very good at theirs and um we'll see who comes out the victor i mean obviously the the, the plan is for me to to you know make it look easy but um no she definitely has some dangerous strikes and techniques um if i'm not if i'm not awake and i'm sleeping cuz it's 6am i'm going to be in trouble Uh, I've been watching her a little bit. I know she's a striker like me, and if she wants to stand with me, I'm going to stand with her. And if she wants to take me down, I'm going to go down with her. And no matter what, I'm going to do what it takes to win. 
For this fight, I'm not overlooking anything. You know, I'm really focused on doing my best and winning. Of course, I want to get my first submission or knockout in the UFC. Uh, every fight that I go into, I want that. Uh, but I'm not focusing on that. I just want to do my best. Mike, what do you got? Excellent. Excellent. I was uh, really impressed with Elise Reed's authenticity there. You know, she was, she was very honest. And um, I, th I thank you again, John, for the interview. Um, in this matchup, I think that the skill, uh, the experience, the the vet savviness of Loma Lokbumi is going to really pay dividends here, especially in the clinch. When these two lock up, I see um, Lokbumi dumping, uh, dumping Reese, dumping Reed uh, on her, on her took us numerous times throughout the bout, um, frustrating her, um, getting the better of the exchanges on the feet, landing elbows at times. The only challenge I find when I'm breaking down this matchup is I, I go back to Luke Boomy's previous fight and she had some real momentary lapses of judgment where she ended up uh, giving up uh, against Gomes. She, she, stood up and walked away during an exchange and Gomes tried to land a takedown in the middle of the round. And there was, there were a couple of other uh, situations throughout her UFC career. She uh, seems to be doing very well. And then there are hiccups in almost every fight, but I will say this only 27 years old. She's growing. She's a minus 300 favorite. So that's a very significant favorite in this spot. I think the experience of Luke Boonmi is going to be on display. She's going to have the larger octagon, and uh, I see her coming out on top. Now, is it is she going to get the finish? I don't necessarily believe so. I like her. I like Luke Boonmi via decision. That's going to be my pick. Jason, what are the people saying? The people are saying not as they're not saying it in a nice way. Mike was saying it. they're saying this is going to be a one way ass kicking, and it's going to be for Loma. All right, look, Boomi should destroy Reed in the people's opinion. All right. Uh, when you're doing MMA math, I believe they have a common opponent and they're Sam Hughes. And but they have different different outcomes there, right? Loma got the the victory. Miss Reed did not. So you play with the MMA math all you want there. Uh, comment from Turbo McGee. Both of these female fighters trade leather. Looking forward to this one. I hope it's a good fight. If Loma can get some takedowns, I think she will win all the rounds and you know what going touching on something mike said she is getting better loma is clearly getting better watch her fights every two fights at the the longest it seems like every fight she's getting a little better but every two fights you see a huge chunk in her game elevating and i think i'm with majority of the people supporting loma on this one go loma this fight is uh before I make my pick, I just want to give some thoughts. This fight is very interesting because you got Reed, who's like a Taekwondo-based fighter. She's clearly going to go in there and try to try to strike with her. I don't think she's going to try to wrestle with her because Loma, even though she is a Muay Thai fighter, she's, she still goes for takedowns. She's still trying to wrestle you. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people don't expect that because she's just the first Thai fighter in the UFC, you know, they kind of get lost in all of that. And I think Loma's going to wrestle in this one. I think she's going to mix it up. I think she's going to, like she said in the interview, she's going to mix it up and she's going to try to find a way to win this fight or finish this fight somewhere. Do I believe she's going to finish this fight? I don't know. You know I mean? It's, it's, you can't guarantee anything, especially with her history. But Mike, when you're talking about her mental lapses, right? She did speak about that after that last fight, right? About, about her, 
like her mindset, you know what I mean? Going into fights and even during fights, like how she was struggling with like depression and things like that. And maybe she's gotten over that home. Maybe we're going to see a different Loma in this one. I'm going to go with Loma in this fight. I think she's just has just more experience and more tools and she's getting better. Um, I think she's going to get this decision in this one. I don't think she's going to get the finish. At least she's tough. And the people that finished her, they're like, who was it? Sajara Eubanks, who was like a what? A, a bantamweight. You know what I mean? She fought a bantamweight in that one, right? So you got to give her the benefit of the doubt in that one. Now, let's go to the next one. The next fight coming up, we got another featherweight matchup. Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanus. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm telling you guys, a lot of people are overlooking this fight. This is going to be a fight that's going to be pretty wild. Uh, Jack Jenkins, 29 years old, 10-2 and two record, making his UFC debut. He is a contender series winner. He won by third round ground and pound last year. 80% finishing rate, five TKOs, three submissions. But all of his losses are via submission. Don Shane is 31 years old, 12-4 and four record. Lost his UFC debut on short notice to a ranked Sadiq Youssef. So you got to kind of throw that out the, you know, throw it out the window. Don't even think about it. He's a Bellator veteran, uh, 83% finishing rate, eight TKO wins, two submissions, and he has eight first round finishes. Um, let's jump into some clips from my interviews with both men. First off, we got Jack Jenkins. I reckon I'm going to crack the leg again, to be honest. I know I I reckon I'm gonna crack the leg again. What is I reckon I'm gonna crack. I reckon I'm gonna crack the leg again. To be honest, I reckon. I reckon I'm. Dude, dude, dude. Why is not? I reckon I'm gonna crack the leg again. To be honest, oh, I know. Man. Is I, it I, frozen? I want to be a a one trick pony as Dana would have called. <laughs> I reckon I I'm gonna crack the leg again. To be honest, I know. I I don't want to be a a one trick pony as Dana would have called, but I I, I really do see myself finding that leg again. You know, it's always. People think that my leg kick is good, but my leg kick is good because my jab is good. So if I can get behind my jab and get him flinching on that left hand, that's what opens up the leg kick for me. So, you know, I'm going to get out there and try and try and get that jab connecting to his left eye. And once that happens, that can give me the opportunity to go to the leg and really bury home some baseball bat kicks. Hopefully snap a tibia. Um, and, right. uh, yeah, be good We're to back. get a little bonus check. Yeah, there. I think uh, maybe... Yeah, maybe John's muted. Yep. Dude, I, I've been doing this so long, and 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 for me to go out there and be my best self with the my, right preparation, like I, I can't expect more. So my takes from him: good striker, good grappler. I think there's gonna be holes where I'm gonna be able to disrupt his rhythm, and uh, that's my main takeaway for this. You know, make this dirty and ugly. Oh, I want to finish. I want to finish. I want to blow the fucking roof off the arena. I want to make a bunch of friends and fans in Australia. And I want to come home with a fucking extra check, then figure it out again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, sure. so I, I'm expecting that this is, is going to be nothing of what I expected it. I'm expecting to, to run into even more troubles than I had my first camp. So I'm just trying to prepare the best I can for it. Are we all back on the same page? You good to go, Mike? All right, Ready go ahead. Roll. Ready to roll. It was uh, none of the neither of those fighters pulled any punches in in their interviews. Uh, one thing about Shanus, he he gets a uh, full camp for this one, so that's always nice to see. And we've seen fighters come back with a full camp, even with Fugit last uh, last card. How he impressed a lot of people, took some damage early, and and uh, was able to turn the tide and win that fight. Here against Jack Jenkins, Jack Jenkins is a uh, a tough fighter who 
he's going to need space, I believe, to have a lot of success. Um, the thing about Sheamus is he marches. Well, he doesn't march. He he bum rushes you and bull rushes forward on a lot of his opponents. And that is going to play right into Jenkins's game. I think the, uh, the first few minutes of the fight could potentially get hairy because you have a full camp. Uh, Don Shanus coming at you, somebody who's full with vigor and ready. Um, he does have a legitimate submission game, and we've seen Jack Jenkins lose on the regional scene to some marginal competition, which is concerning. I have to be honest about that. But the contender series matchup, Jack, Jack Jenkins really, uh, he shocked not only me, but Dana White in the stands who was caught off guard by the wrestling prowess and the grappling that was on display. I don't think these two after the first few minutes will be grappling heavy. I think that Jack Jenkins is going to be able to find the leg kicks that he's talking about. He's going to be able to frustrate Don Shanus. And the longer this fight goes, I think a TKO victory is a real possibility here. And I'll be picking uh, Jack Jenkins to win inside the distance. That's going to be my official pick. Um, but the Sadiq Yusuf fight, man, th those knees up the middle. Oh, I was I was feeling those from my couch. Those were brutal. But uh, give me Jack Jenkins here inside the distance. TKO. J-Spec. What you got, J-Spec? All right. So this is another bit of one-way traffic. The fans not mixing their feelings at all for this fight. A whopping 92% of the fans lining up for the debutante, Mr. Jenkins. Uh, you know, it's an interesting situation because both men are really going for their first UFC win. Obviously, Sheamus, Owen Wine, we're, I'm totally forgiving him for the use of fight. Like, 100%, let's like, pretty much not bring it up except in a positive way if it ever is mentioned. The the thing that is a little concerning for this fight is his camp, uh, his fight, his whole fight situation, fight camp, team, all that has recently been switched up. He was a former uh, Glory MMA fighter. And if you guys don't know the story connected to that, the James Krause thing and the, the betting and all that. So anyways, he's been kind of training near home, scattered training camp. So a lot of people are pointing at this. Oh, it's great that he has a full camp, but this camp is also piecemealed all over the place. Uh, with that being said, I have to support Mr. Jenkins on this journey. Jack Jenkins, you know, he's a. Uh... He's one of the best prospects coming out of Australia, especially at featherweight. That's why he's signed by the UFC. Don Shanus, man, he's a wild man. He's a guy that, like Mike was saying, he'll bum rush you, and he's he, he's there to entertain. And I think Jack Jenkins is going to make a smarter play in this fight. I don't think he's going to go in there to entertain. I think he's going in there to win. That's his goal. His goal is not to like go in there and, and make new fans. His goal is there to win and, and start a good career. This is a basically a debut for both guys. I think Shanus will go in there and, and be wild and, and and crazy, and the crowd is going to go nuts in the first minute or two, maybe even the first whole round. But eventually, Jack Jenkins is going to take over, and uh, I think he gets. Uh, I'm going to take Jenkins, man, and I think he gets a a submission in the second round. I think I think that's what I'm going to go with in this fight. Now let's move on to the the lightweight division. We got uh, Jamie Malarkey taking on Francisco Prado Malarkey. The hooligan, 28 years old, 15 and five record, three and three in the UFC. He has wins over Michael Johnson and Devontae Smith, 80% finishing rate, 10 knockouts, three submissions, and he has seven first round finishes. Francisco Prado, boy, is a youngster, 20 years old, yeah. 
making his UFC debut undefeated 11-0, 100% finishing rate, 5 KOs, 6 subs. But you guys got to go look deeper into the subs. He has five different types of submission wins, even a Vlon flu choke. Wow. Before we get to Mike, I'm going to go and uh, play this clip from my interview with Jamie Malarkey. Here we go. Um, and I'm, I'm expecting a calculated and professional performance this one. Um, not that, not to say that I don't want to get in a war. Um, like we know, we know from uh, my fights that I don't shy from that at all. So if, if it comes, it comes, man. But I'm expecting a more calculated uh, Jamie Malarkey in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to show the levels and show uh, how much my, my game is really improving, how much I can uh, mentally. Uh, keep it all all together and uh, that's what you're gonna see mike what do you see wow it's interesting maybe about an hour or so ago i happened to tweet share an example of a fighter who's capable of fighting a technical clean game plan but they have a tendency to get sucked into brawls and jamie malarkey's that guy no doubt and I'll be honest, honest, sometimes that brings out the best in him because he can take a punch. I mean, we saw the Volkanovsky loss. That was, I mean, who, no one could have took a punch from Volkanovsky. We'll get into Volkanovsky's fight later in this podcast. But uh, here, Prado, you have to wonder, he seems to be a great hammer, but how is he as the nail? If he doesn't get this knockout or submission in the first few minutes of the fight coming all the way across uh, from Argentina, right? He's he's uh, coming off for over uh, thousands of miles. I question his cardio. I question his durability. I question just about everything about him. I know he's undefeated, but only 20 years old. This is somebody who they haven't necessarily faced a legitimate test. And he's been crushing cans to a certain extent, Prado. So I'm going to be picking Malarkey here, but... Malarkey, uh, when I when you watch his fights, he can get caught and he can get uh, into these heated exchanges where he doesn't have to meet. Uh, it doesn't have to happen. Also, in the Faraz uh, Zia fight, he did get reversed in that fight on the mat, which was concerning for me to watch. And Malarkey, I thought, was the better grappler in that matchup. Here, I'll be picking Malarkey. I think that the later the fight, uh, he's going to really turn it on and you'll see a levels situation um i see him getting the finish in either the second or third round but give me jamie malarkey to win via tko john all right jay speck well we got a situation of we know a lot about one guy we have a good sample of his work in the ufc and we have another gentleman who's shiny and brand new undefeated record all these finishes the thing is the fans are not buying it they're they're not getting sucked into that undefeated record surprisingly i I thought the fan pool would be a little bit closer 73 percent lining up for mr malarkey and i can understand why uh malarkey is like mike's pointed out he's he's got a lot of skills he's tough he's beat some people and more importantly he only loses to real winners the zion fight we want to forgive it uh turner uh jalen turner and brad rudell not jokes you know so those are real real losses that have quality to them so with that being said, fans, it, it, all in one direction, basically. 73%, like I mentioned, all for Jimmy Malarkey. And I am not swayed by that shiny zero on Pedro's record, even though there's a part of me that wants to. 
I want to believe in the guy. I, I have no reason not to or, or go against him. I just think that Malarkey has proven what uh, what he is and who he is. And we just have a big old question mark from Mr. Prado. So good luck, Mr. Prado. But I'm signing up and just like most of the people signing up for Malarkey. This is a this is a scary like matchup, right? Short notice, the guy's coming mm -hmm. in and he's undefeated. It kind of reminds me of the Robocop Bruno Fajeda situation, right? We don't know much about Fajeda and uh, we know everything about Robocop. And then Robocop goes in there and everybody thinks Robocop's going to win and then he gets sparked, right? It's it almost kind of lines up that way. But I'm not going to fall for it. I think Jamie Malarkey is tough enough like I know Mike likes to say this a lot when he does his betting shows. You want to bet on guys or you want to pick guys that are going to fight for you. They're going to fight to the death. And I think Jamie Malarkey is one of those guys. He will fight to the end. Like he is not going to go out easy. And uh, I think he weathers the storm. I think, uh, uh, what is it? Prado is going to come in there. And he thinks he's going to get a quick finish or something like that. He's going to go for some wild things. Jamie Malarkey is going to weather that. And I think he wins the fight in the first round by uh, TKO. I'm going with Jay Markey in the first round, TKO. I think that he's going to be able to, you know, get in that talk of a, a bonus, so to say. Now, let's move to the flyweight division. We got Clayton Rodriguez versus Shannon Ross. Rodriguez, 27 years old, 7-2 and two record. He lost his UFC debut via split decision to CJ Vergara. He's a contender series winner. He won the, the fight via unanimous decision. He has a 71% finishing rate, three knockouts, two subs. Ross, 33 years old, 13 and 6, making his UFC debut. He fought on the contender series, but he fought with appendicitis, lost, and then got a contract. So Dana White must have saw something in him. I guess if you're sick and you still fight and Dana White knows and you lose, you can still get a contract on the contender series. You never know what Dana White's going to do. Um, one thing that stands out is Ross. He does have some fights. He's undefeated for ACB, which, you know, those, those killers over there at ACB when it was around. 62% uh, finishing rate, 7-0, and or 7 knockouts, and 1 submission. Here is a, a clip from my interview with Shannon Ross. We'll get to that before we get to Mike's analysis. Having appendicitis for a week, plus having a rupture the day of the fight, and then having the blood poisoning and all that sort of stuff, like, how much does that take away from your performance and the cerebralness and the all that sort of aspect of fighting? Fighting's a smart smart man's game. So when you're in that much pain and you're already down on the on the on the cards, it's like, did you really show who you are and how you can fight? Luckily enough, I put on a good enough performance to get Dana in the cage after the fight. It's obviously the first time that's ever happened in the history of a contender series. And he doesn't even usually go in there after uh, some fights in the UFC. He doesn't even hand the belt over sometimes. So for me, that was massive um, to get a call from him and Mick Maynard in the hospital and get that contract was was, uh, yeah, obviously a dream come true coming out of the surgery and a big shock to the system. Um, and, yeah, now we get to go do it fresh and healthy and really show show where I'm at on, on this world level. Great interview. Yeah. Great interview. I, I watched that interview a few times, actually. And uh, a couple of things impressed me about Shannon's game is his, his willingness to march forward despite what's coming back at him. Uh, and he was... Honestly, he was knocked out multiple times in that fight, yet still managed to uh, 
put his best foot forward. And we talk about the appendicitis and, and everything that comes along with that. Um, this is his first real shot. And he's taking on a Clayton Rodriguez, who is making the trip all the way over from Brazil. So he's got a long flight. Ross is going to have the crowd behind him. He's a gunslinger, um, not necessarily known for taking fights to the mat, uh, Ross. And and that is one way to uh, to cause problems for Clayton Rodriguez. We saw, again, CJ Vergara. Vergara really um, was a bit of a bulldog to... Uh, to to be honest and we've got our uh my bulldog uh everybody knows big pretty my bulldog um so yeah he kept coming forward was chomping at the bit and uh the the challenge is rodriguez wasn't really it didn't seem like he was prepared to go 15 minutes hard he came out hot ran out of gas you saw how talented Clayton Rodriguez is both on the mat and with his kicks, his punches. He's huge for the 125 pound division. And I got to be honest here. I think that he has enough tools, the talent to, to take care of Ross. Um, the, the one way that Ross, I believe can win this fight is if, uh, if, if Rodriguez unloads his clip and, and then Ross is still standing which could be, it could happen. And if Ross is still there, then this fight becomes live, especially if it's the, the third round and, and uh, you know, they're headed to the cards. I could see, I could see Rodriguez up two rounds headed into the third, but uh, give me Rodriguez via head kick knockout. That's going to be my official pick. Wow. Jason Beck. All right. So this fight has got fans wondering What's going on with the UFC matchmaking? Why do they arrange cards like this? Here we are, a fight after the Malarkey scheduled fight, which people are into, and we're basically back to a debuter and an 0-1 uh, fighter. It's it's a very interesting way to build momentum to a pay-per-view card. I'm just saying, friend, uh, fans of the sport kind of questioning it. What they are also questioning is how much does ross really have in skill wise is he just like a charity case because of what he did which was amazing fighting with appendicitis dude it's it's hard to just fight it's hard to fight if you were 100 it's hard to fight in any condition get a little head cold and it's appendicitis dude you're talking about like a, almost dead like you can literally die from that stuff so i'm gonna i'm kind of shocked that 68 percent of the fans siding with uh, Clayton Rodriguez, only 32% going with Mr. Ross. I think if more people uh, look at the intangibles, might hit a lot of great things, but I'm I'm talking from the fans' perspective, and I'm talking about the people who watch the Contender Series with us live. Every single one of us became Ross fans, all right? Uh, we all respect the fight game to a tremendous amount, and I'm not taking anything away from Mr. Rodriguez, but that is special, special stuff. Also, if you watch JHK's full interview, you're going to learn that he did a little training with the champ, Volkanovsky. Part of his training camp was intertwined. And, uh, you know, as the overused phrase of this year goes, iron sharpens iron, or was that last year's phrase? Anyways, point being, Ross, he's got my attention. I know he's the underdog here, but the fans, 32% of them going with Ross, I'm all the way with Ross. Man. I'm conflicted, man. I've known Ross for a while, man. I've been interviewing him since his regional days. 
right? And I watched him build into the fire that he is now. And and it's it's like we don't know. It's like it's undetermined. Like he's a mystery, right? Because the way he fought or he had the appendicitis before the contender series fight, we don't know how good he is now. And Rodriguez, he's flying all the way from Brazil and he's massive. Will the weight cut have a huge effect on him? Will he even could he miss weight? You know, I mean, this is something we got to look at before the fight actually happens. If he does look really, really drained ahead of the fight, maybe he won't even be able to last to the second round. Maybe he's going to empty the clip, even if he does make weight. Um, man, it's it's a hard pick, man. It's a hard pick. But uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the underdog, with the home crowd boy. I think that crowd, that Aussie crowd is going to put something into these fighters. You know what I mean? I'm not saying make the bet. Don't put no money on it. I'm just giving you my pick. I'm going to go with Ross. I think he toughs it out. I think he gets a decision. I think he... I think Clayton goes hard in the start and then he kind of fades and then Ross just kind of works him on the ground, you know, mixes it up on the feet and, and gets the decision uh, on uh, on this fight, in this fight. Now, let's go to the next one. Another featherweight matchup. This one, this one is a banger. This one is a banger. Joshua Kulabau versus Melsic uh, Bagdasarian, I think. Kulabau. 28 years old, 10-1 and 1 record, 2-1 and 1 in the UFC. He has back-to-back -back victories over Sungu Choi and Xiaoyi Long. Two totally different skill sets, and he's he was able to get in there and, and beat both those guys. He has a 50% finishing rate, all KOs. Only loss was at lightweight on short notice, and to who? Jalen Turner, who is a monster in that lightweight division. Melsic, 31 years old. 7-1 record, 2-0 in the UFC. He's a contender series winner. He won second round TKO, 71% finishing rate. He also has all knockout finishes, four first round knockout finishes, but he's on a 15-fight layoff. Before we get to Mike, I'm going to play a clip from my interview with Josh Kulabau. Here we go. Oh, man. I just, like, I try not to make it bigger than what it is because at the end of the day, it's just a fight. But I think the Aussie crowd is definitely going to play a massive part in a lot on a, a lot of the how the guys perform yeah. in Perth so I think that you know I, it's going to be a good night I think that the crowd's going to g us up and it's going to be yeah it's going to be a very Brazilian type crowd I feel <laughs> uh yeah man I, that I'm I'm excited too man I mean I'm really excited to test myself against a guy like him and I'm excited as a as much as I am excited as a competitor to compete against somebody like him, I'm also excited as a as a fan to, to see how this fight is, you know. Obviously, I envision myself smashing this dude in every which way, um, but I think it's still going to be exciting. Mike, what do you got for this? Ooh, this is going to be a great fight. Uh, this may surprise some. I'm going to be picking Kulabau here. Uh, he is he may not be the slicker striker here bogdasarian is uh is the slicker striker the fighter who wants to uh, make this look pretty at range um, but if you want to get dirty kulabal is willing to do that he's willing to do whatever it takes we've seen against uh, jordan and there have been others who he will go to war he will fight for your money and if the fight hits the mat, I think he's the better fighter there too. And if the fight ends up against the cage and there's a clinch, uh, clinch war going on, I think he wins that. But this is a very closely lined fight, and uh, we've seen that Kulibau can get uh, can get hurt at times. But I don't think uh, that's going to be the case here. I'll be picking Josh Kulibau, and he makes a great point. 
Josh made a great point with the crowd. I think the crowd is going to be on their feet for this one by the end of, of the bout, and I'll be picking Josh Cooley bout. Chase back. These are the kind of fights fans want to see. Fights where you don't have a whole bunch of leaning in one way or the other, where both guys you know, can have it and they need it. And everything is near even with these guys as far as, you know, skill, winning, all that good stuff. So that's what people want to see. This is the kind of matchups that belong on a, you know, pay-per-view building UFC card. With that being said, fans spoke their minds and this was a close race, just like the bookie saw it. The the fans have it nice and close. All right. So 52% going with Mr. Bogdasarian. And I'm probably butchering that name, but I'm sorry, sir. I've tried my best. And, you know, that that's that's a real tight margin, 52%. That's 2% more than split down the middle. So that's the kind of fights people love. That's the kind of fights people sign up for. I am just – I'm just going to have to disagree with the public on this one. Just by a tiny 2% margin, I'm going with Mr. Kulabao. Man, this is this is probably – Fight of the night right here. Fight of the night. It's going to be very, very close, like you guys said. Um, but one thing that's a red flag to me is uh, Melsic's coach, who is Ronda Rousey's old coach. And if you've known, if you've seen all the fighters that come out of that camp, they they do good at the start of their career in the UFC, and then eventually they hit a wall. And I'm feeling that this could be the wall. This could be the guy that uh, could be the brick wall for uh, for Melsic. Kulabal, he's he's very good at adjusting as well in a fight, right? He's very good at I, I believe game planning as well. Man, I think his team is good at like studying their opponents and and seeing things that we don't see, like I don't see, you know what I mean, watching fights. And I think Josh Kulabal is good at going in there and executing. He's not the most gifted athlete, but and he's not the most like his physique doesn't look like he's one of those, you know, he doesn't look like a, a let's say a who's a who's a very gifted featherweight that looks beautiful, you know, like a, like a, I don't know. Give me an example. Josh Emmett, for instance. Uh, yeah. He's not a job. He doesn't look like a Josh Emmett. Right. But he's a fighter and he goes in there and he fights hard and, and he's a very, very good striker. And I think, and he's very awkward in his striking as well. And I think he's going to find the angles. Uh, Melsic is a more traditional fighter, a guy that's more straight, straight down the middle from my analysis and i'm gonna take kulabao on this one i think kulabao is gonna get the get the finish he's gonna pick up his first finish in the ufc i feel like they're gonna go to the round three in this one um i'm but i'm i'm a little biased you know what i mean like i've been following josh kulabao for a few years now and and i've seen his his growth and and a lot of the guys that are on this card as well a lot of the guys from the australian new zealand scene I do have a close connection to them because I've been interviewing them from from the from their regional days to now in the UFC, and uh, it's great to see, man. It's, it's phenomenal to see. Now let's move on to the to the prelim headliner, which is the light heavyweight matchup between Tyson Pedro and Modeskis Bukowskis. Pedro, 31 years old, nine and three record, five and three in the UFC. He has a hundred percent finishing rate, so nine wins, nine finishes, all in the first round isn't that crazy all his finishes are in the first round and he has back-to-back first round finishes after that long layoff due to uh serious knee complications bukowski is 28 years old 13 and 5 record one and three in the ufc and he makes his short notice return to the organization 85 percent finishing rate 
nine TKOs, two submissions. He has six first round finishes. Mike, what do you see in this matchup? Well, the common uh, a common theme here is the knee injury. We saw Khalil Roundtree do a number on Modestus Bacoscus, uh, his knee, and uh, we've seen Tyson Pedro out for uh, a significant length of time. And both of these, uh, both of uh, Tyson Pedro's opponents coming back. I mean, Henry Harry Hunsucker, Ike Villanueva. I gotta wonder as far as um, Pedro's agent to get those fights fights booked i mean those were highlight reel knockouts he got he lucked out there now he's coming in against modestus bakaskas who is a is a flashy striker he's gonna uh, but he's not really a finisher by trade especially in the ufc and uh, pedro I'll, I'll i'll say this that uh, he does go for the kill early and he usually finds his shot selection off the bat, he's very economical, and he makes the most of his opportunities. Now, how long is that going to last? If this gets past the first round or if it hits the second or third round, then I think uh, there's a chance that uh, Bacoscus becomes live. But I'll be picking Tyson Pedro inside the distance. I think that he does get this done. Um, but I, uh, I want to see where both of these fighters go from here. I'd like to see Tyson Pedro tested with a, uh, a contender because he is a very talented individual. We've seen on the mat early against Shogun. Uh, he was toying with Shogun at times and then just, you know, he dropped the bit. He fumbled the bag, so to speak. So give me Pedro inside the distance and uh, by TKO. Disrespect. Well, you know, this fight has... A lot of people in one direction, right? Winning the hearts and minds of the public is Mr. Tyson Pedro. Um, I'm a little bit of a sucker for the redemption story. I love the, oh, the first time didn't work out. You went back to the regional scene, retooled yourself, come back and shine. I know we have many good examples of that. The people are not feeling it with Mr. Uh, Modestus Bukalkis. Uh, it's just not the way that people feel. Uh, and the knee injury thing that Mike talked about, I think everybody's talking about, has even gotten the attention of our human x-ray machine, Kevin Nicholson. He, he says he's leaning Pedro because I think he'll use his kick, kicks to keep Modestus honest. Modestus may come out more aggressive, feeling the pressure to win in the UFC. Either way, I'm excited for this one as both have made stellar comebacks from horrible knee injuries. And, well, there we go. Thank you, uh, Kevin Nicholson. You're, you're the man always breaking down injuries and stuff for us. So with that being said, it's like do the people do not want more Bukowskis in their life. Let's just be honest. And we are kind of a sucker for the guy who gets it down quickly and efficiently, getting those, those first-round finishes is what the people like and i'm signing up with the people give me i vote for pedro is that too 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 late to use that voting for no, pedro no, no. <laughs> um i see uh i see pedro going in there and spamming kicks he's gonna spam kicks early and he's gonna get his distance early like mike said he's very good at finding his shots early and i think he that's what he's gonna do he's gonna use the kicks and then he's gonna throw out the jab and he's then he's gonna throw out the right hand you know, the backhand, sorry. It, I think Pedro goes in there. I think he gets a first-round finish. I think he clips him, you know what I mean? And then he follows him to the ground, a club himself type deal. I'm taking Pedro, submission, first round. And he's very good at, you know, locking up the Kimura, man. Very good, very good at that. Now, let's move on to the pay-per-view portion of USA 284. For the people watching right now, please, 
please, uh, Kevin, joining us. Appreciate you, Kevin, for your analysis. Give us some more thoughts and uh, information if you can. Yeah, go in the descriptions. Download the All-Star app right now if you haven't and, and make your picks as we go along the pay-per-view portion of UFC 284. To kick it off, we have a light heavyweight matchup between Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield. This is fireworks as well. Crute, he's sitting at number 11 in the rankings, 26 years old, 12-3 and record, 4-3 and in the UFC, but he's on back-to-back -back losses to Jamal Hill and uh, Anthony Smith. Nothing to, to frown about there. You know what I mean? That's high-level competition. Wins over Paul Craig. Uh, and uh, Mikhail Olegelek, and that's how I pronounce his name. 75% finishing rate, five TKOs, four subs, eight first-round finishes for Mr. Crute. Alonzo Menafield, 35 years old, 13-3 and three record, 6-3 and three in the UFC, two-fight win streak. He's, he's working it right now. He has wins over Paul Craig. Both these guys have wins over Paul Craig. Mm -hmm. uh, and Misha, Misha uh, Serkinov, 92% finishing rate, 10 knockouts, two subs, and all his knockouts are in the first round. Mike, exciting matchup here. What do you got for us? Man, you want to talk uh, redemption or redemption spot? I think this is a spot for Jimmy Crute uh, to come in here and show us what he's made of. Now, he's been out for a significant amount of time. I believe 2021 was his last fight, the knockout loss to Jamal Hill. And we saw his striking defense... It was lacking there. Uh, he took some punches to the dome from the champ. In this matchup, he's the possibility is there to weather an early storm. But in his pre-fight interview, I paid close attention to these things. He said that he's gonna blow. Um, uh, he's gonna blow Menafield's doors off. And yes, great point, Kevin. So he did get his his knee completely uh, rebuilt. And he had fought his entire UFC career with a torn ACL. We saw against Anthony Smith what he's capable of, even with uh, a damaged leg, was able to take Anthony Smith down seemingly at will. Uh, he has the grappling here to cover uh, Alonzo Menafield. Uh, Alonzo Menafield is, I believe, 35 years of age. So he's, it's not like he's a spring chicken. I don't think if this fight hits the mat that it will be very competitive. I think that Crude has not only the he's got a better gas tank. We've seen Menafield run out of gas very early in fights. Uh, I'm going to be picking Jimmy Crude here. I think that he is going to get this done either via submission or potentially a TKO victory because he he has slick submissions. He submitted Paul Craig, uh, and then he also can throw hands. The Modestus Bacoscus knockout was one situation, but there have been others, Sam Alvey, et cetera, where he can't throw, but the problem is his striking defense seems to be an issue. Now, what has he done in the time off? He's had almost two years to contemplate um, what needs to be done. In the Anthony Smith bout and the Jamal Hill bout, I believe, I really strongly believe this, if he took this fight to the mat, those fights to the mat, he had a clear path to victory. He's extremely talented from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu standpoint, a grappling standpoint, a um, top-heavy positional standpoint. And also, he has decent cardio when the going gets tough. He's able to really push through tough spots. So I'll be picking Jimmy Crute. Yes, there's a chance that he gets brutally knocked out. I, I see that. I think everybody sees that. I, I see a lot of people trying to pick 
um, Alonzo Menafield here, but I'm going to be picking Jimmy Crude as a redemption story. So give me Jimmy Crude for the victory. Jay Speck. Jimmy Crute gets all the love Alonzo Menafield wish he could have. And when I say that, the fans, the fans literally don't even care that Crute has lost. The same passion, the same feel for him, the same, yeah, go get him, boy, is still there. Zoe, on the other hand, every time somebody talks or picks him, from, from what I've heard, there's a but, there's a if, there's a maybe uh, this could happen if this or that. There's a blind allegiance to Crute that Menafield has just kind of unfortunately proven to us that he's hot cold sometimes. You never really know what Menafield you're going to get. You're going to get a marauder or you're going to get someone who's kind of frozen by the lights. Um, 59% of the fans giving their love to Mr. Crute. And I'm going to quote Mr. Steve Jeffs uh, here saying, Jimmy Crute weathers the early onslaught and defeats Menafield inside the distance by TKO. That's how our Canadian friend feels about it. A lot of people feel that way too. I love me some Menafield. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But, and that's what you get when you talk about Alonzo Menafield. A lot of, uh, maybe, ooh. So for this one, I'm with Mr. Crew. Go, Jimmy, go. Yeah, there's two options, right? You got Menafield, who is a, who is a, a bombarder in the first round that's just going to throw heavy, heavy, right? And if you, if you zigged when you need to zag, it's over for you, like easy, you know, with Menafield. I think Crute's tough enough to, to weather that. I think he's going to be smart enough to kind of keep the distance. He is light on his feet. You know what I mean? He is light on his feet. He can move around. Um, a lot of people are probably concerned because he has had ligament issues and, and the surgery on the knee that maybe his movement is not going to be back the same. I think his movement will probably be the same um, or at least close to being what it was before. He was pretty athletic anyways. I'm going to take Crute in this fight. I think this fight goes out of the first round. He weathers the storm, and I think he gets it to the ground and gets a submission second round. I'm taking that um, for Jimmy Crute in this one. Uh, before we get to the next fight, uh, a heavyweight banger. Uh, yeah, this crazy fight coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some of these comments. We got uh, Well Rider 3001. What, what the fuck is up? What the fuck is up with you, man? Uh, <laughs> Professor Chaos. What's up, guys? What's up, Professor Chaos? um hype and uh hype mma he's got a good question will there be an option to pick fights besides ufc yes 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 there will be we're just starting with the ufc we're going to come back we're going to have many promotions uh just just wait this is still a, a thing in progress and uh and make sure you and i seen you on the app hype mma i seen you making your picks so uh, everybody that hasn't downloaded the app go in the description download the app and, and make your picks um let's move on to the heavyweight matchup now let's see let's see let's see heavyweight matchup justin taffa versus parker porter they put this together you know why they put this together uh taffa 29 years old five and three record overall two and three in the ufc he has a hundred for hundred percent finishing rate all knockouts he is coming off a long long layoff 14 months due to an injury and surgery and recovery parker porter 37 years old 13 and 7 record, 3 and 2 in the UFC. He has wins over Chase Sherman and Josh Parisian, 62% finishing rate, 5 TKOs, and 3 submissions. Before we get to Mike and his analysis of this fight, I am going to play clips from uh, interviews 
with both fighters. We'll start with uh, Justin Taffa. Let's see what he got to say. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long camp, but um, man, I, I mean, just uh, this is like a redemption for me, you know, from, with, uh, from 243 or mm-hmm. from that fight that, and, uh, that I had with the Castro. My growth over the years, and I really want to really wanna showcase what, what I've been, been doing over the years and how, how I've matured as a fighter. So for me, like, not just pleasing the crowd, but just like, like honoring my coaches and and then myself, all the all the sacrifices I've been doing over the years, man. And I feel like a care is coming, bro. I can just feel it. All right, here's Parker Porter. I think he's a good striker, but I, I think I'm better. You know, I think we're gonna go toe to toe, and I think it's gonna be great. I think the fans are gonna get their money's worth out of this one. He's got he he's got his style. You know, like he comes forward. That's similar to myself. Doesn't have a ton of head movement, um, you know, really just kind of like barrels forward. Has his, his go-to weapons, uh, as most people do, myself included for that. But I don't think it's anything that I'm not going to be able to handle. Fireworks. <laughs> I think it's going to be absolutely explosive. I don't think it's going to go the distance, but I think it's going to be an absolute banger. It definitely has potential for a, a fight of the night or at least a fan favorite fight of the night all over it. You know, like we're we're going to, we're going to make people happy with this performance. Mike, wow. what do you think, man, after seeing those little comments Ooh. from both fighters? Yeah, that, that Justin Taffa interview was deep. You know, you talk about redemption. You talk about coming back from the Jorgen de Castro knockout in front of his home crowd. And it means the world to him. I believe he is the better striker here and also has the better kicks. The question is, if he ends up on his back, we know Parker Porter is the better grappler here and also has the better wrestling. But can Porter at 37 years of age maintain a pace for three rounds? Uh, we're talking about this is another uh, situation where you've got a hometown crowd behind fighters. And I'll be picking uh, I'll be picking Taha here. I think that he has the, the striking acumen uh, to make his punches count when they need to hit their target. And that should be the difference maker in this matchup. I'll be picking Taha. And um, I, I understand there's there's a large contingency of folks on MMA Twitter who are picking Parker Porter, but I, I just can't do it. I think that this is a redemption spot. So, go. Well, I am with the fans. Fans spoke loud and clear on this one. 67% giving their love and admiration to one Justin Taffa. Um, if when you watch the rest of that interview with JHK and uh, Justin, you're gonna hear Justin talk about uh, the the surgery and the recovery. Now, it's one thing when you listen to fighters talk about a surgery and overcoming it, and it being an obstacle and a challenge and something you know that to overcome had to surmount. But this is not the case with Mr. Tafa. Tafa talked about the surgery and rehabilitation like a like a blessing in disguise, like a dream come true, like much needed rest that he hadn't given himself in other circumstances. So he seems like a fighter, like not just mentally ready, but physically really ready for this moment, for this redemption run that we talked about. On the other hand, Parker Porter gets he he gets none of the juices flowing. Let's be honest. Uh, much respect to Mr. Porter, but the fans 
you know, most of those people that Mike talked about, they're, they're long shot hopefuls. Uh, most of those people are looking at the, the betting uh, situation on, on that. But I'm not I'm not here to, to disrespect nobody. I just want to say what the fans have to say about this. And basically, they're all expecting a knockout from Mr. Tafa. And one thing about Mr. Tafa that I also want to bring up, his fight with Carlos Felipe uh, was arguably fight of the year. Uh, and it unfortunately happened in January, so everybody forgot it that year. But the point is, he fought an amazing fight against a guy who got busted for steroids. You know, mm-hmm. So now that he's had his chance to to get his body right, to get everything proper for him, I'm really excited with a, what a, a fully healthy Justin Taffa can do for us. So my pick, Mr. Taffa. When they... When people think about Justin Taffa, you know, they think of a brawler. But if you watch his fights, he 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 does have some technical aspects of what he does, right? He is a kickboxer. He he comes from a good lineage as well. And it seems like he matured a lot, oh, actually not even fighting, just away from fighting and kind of like sitting back and, and you know, reminiscing about what he has done so far. Um, and, he, and I think he has the gas tank, too. If Porter wants to, like, hang on him and, and clinch with him and, and try to play that game, I think Tafa will be able to do that. And, and he actually likes that. He, he, he has some pretty solid strikes from the clinch where he can, like, break off and, and throw bombs. And I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to throw bombs, man. I think he's going to go in there and be super hyped. And uh, his brother just got signed as well, and his brother's on an incredible run. Tafa gang is, is heavy over there in Perth. Um, I'm picking Tafa to win this fight. I think he gets it done. I think he finishes the fight. Um, I'm I'm taking um I'm taking the first round. I think this one's gonna go heavy and hard early. Um now let's move on to the next card. Uh next fight. Sorry. Before we get to the next one, we got a question here from Well Rider. He says, Is Shane Young fighting on this card? Yeah, Shane Young is fighting. We we went over that uh fight earlier in the show. Let's go back when the uh, the show's over and get our breakdown. Of, of that fight versus Blake Builder, it's an it's a great fight. So just go back, Well Rider, and and see what see what we got. Um, next fight, Co. Oh, actually, no, not Co-Main Event. Welterweight matchup. This one is uh is interesting. They put this together. Um, Randy Brown versus Jack Della Madalena. Brown, thirty-two years old, sixteen and four record, ten and four in the UFC, four fight win streak. He's he's rolling right now, man. He's he's probably hitting his prime. Uh, he got wins over Brian Barbarino, Wally Alves, and Francisco Trinaldo. 69% finishing rate, six TKOs, five submission wins. Jack Della, 26 years old, 13 and 2, 3 and 0 in the UFC. He's riding a 13 fight win streak, 92% finishing rate, 11 KOs, one sub, seven first round finishes. Wins over Danny Roberts and Ramazan Imiv. Man, this is an incredible fight, Mike. What do you see in this one? Oh, man, this is my favorite. One of my favorite fights on the card. I mean, you talk about the Harris on the back of your neck standing up. This is one of those fights that uh, gets that going. Um, Man, you've seen Jack Della Maddalena fight out of some really tough spots against Angelusa. um, And Amiv caught in some deep chokes. Uh, you know that Randy Brown is going to look to try to stay at range and land his... uh, patented jabs and have that right hand come behind uh he's a he's a fighter who fights well at range uses his length well but the problem i've seen from randy brown is 
he does not take punches well. And we know that if Jack is able to get it within striking range, and it's going to take a matter of time until he can do that, once he finds his range, then the tide should change rather quickly. I think that Jack, at some point, there'll be a moment where he starts to turn the tide, goes to the body, starts to catch uh, Randy up up top, and ends up winning this fight via TKO. But I will say that, yes, that Randy Brown has the much better ground game. His length on the mat, too, could pose some serious problems for Jack Della Maddalena. I, I'm not completely ruling out a Randy Brown submission because I believe that is a possibility here, but I am, I do feel pretty confident in, in Jack winning this fight. Jack Della Madalena. That's I've been waiting to say that all day. <laughs> uh, so I'll be picking Jack to win. And I think that he gets this done via TKO. I, 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 He's one of the most, uh, he's like the the prettiest fighter to watch from a stylistic standpoint, from a technical standpoint. His boxing is so crisp. The way he he goes to the body, the way he uh, he doesn't headhunt, and he's patient. And his striking defense, I so many other fighters in this division could could take solace and and spend time really studying his game because he's you don't see too many other fighters like him i mean i'll, I'll be honest john you ask you interviewer you interview fighters all the time who in your eyes is similar to jack i i know we're 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 gonna uh get to jay spec but who in your eyes has a similar striking acumen to jack it's hard to say this early in someone's ufc career that comes in like this that is so smooth with his boxing like mma boxing there's not many guys right now that is that is good as that's why this matchup so great because Randy Brown has been uh what is it molding his boxing for so many years now and he's very confident in his boxing and you got Jack who is very good at boxing coming in and uh and you got a boxer versus boxer man it's it's, it's incredible MMA boxer versus MMA boxer J Spec what do you got for us the fans are drooling for this fight and they're all they're all mainly stand uh standing in one direction sixty two percent for Mr. Madalena on this one, basically the script, the story, what people are expecting is this to be Jack's moment. The the moment that the rest of everybody, you know, the hardcores are all all on him already, as you guys already are. But the the masses, the the bigger push from the, the you know the other groups of fans, they are people are expecting that this is going to be Jack's crowning moment. Uh, and it very well could be, like I said, sixty two percent of the fans siding with Mr. Madalena. I am slightly on the other side i think randy brown is a massive problem and a huge step up in competition a literal physical big problem like there's there's something people not talking about too much there and last but not least we, we got two guys doing great but right now if you were to really say it randy brown's in like a moment and i like seeing guys who are hot in, in stride, you know, and Jack very well could be too. He's he's marching along, just killing people. This is one of those um, unstoppable force meets immovable object, in my opinion. I don't think the line is accurate, but that's whatever's. Uh, the fans want Jack. I respectfully have to disagree. I'm going with Mr. Brown. Wow, man, I've known Randy Brown. I've known Jack Della 
for many years now, both guys. I've interviewed both guys multiple times and watched them develop throughout the years and seen their skill sets improve. Randy Brown, man, he was one of the original looking for a fight guys. You know what I mean? And and the original guys, none of them are around. Only person around is Randy Brown, and he's like on that top 15 verge, and he's looking phenomenal. The only concern that I have was Randy Brown in his last couple of fights is he likes to put his hands down. And you can't put your hands down with Jack Della. Jack Dell is going to find the target, dude. Like, he's just so crisp. He's just so smooth on the feet with his hands. And and, he, and, and, his, and his accuracy, just look at his accuracy with his body shots, with his hooks, with his straight punches. And, and he could cover distance so well. Randy Brown is so good and long, and he could fight from distance. But I think Jack gets in there somehow, some way, and gets the knockout. I think because Rand, I don't see Randy Brown going in there and trying to take him down. Uh, even if he does take him down, it's 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 hard to see that happen. You know what I mean? Like how how would Randy Brown go in there and take down Jack Della? You know I mean, I see this fight as two strikers going in there and striking, and someone's going to get a bonus. It's, it's it's either Randy Brown or Jack Della. I see Jack Della, so I'm going to take Jack Della TKO. I think the first round. I think this fight is going to be quick. I think there's going to be a lot of quick fights if you notice my picks uh, on this card so far. Um, now. Co-main event, co-main event, interim featherweight title. I'm happy that they put this together. I'm I'm glad that they put an interim title up because I think a lot of guys, and these are two of the guys that deserve a spot to fight for the interim title. I, there's a lot of people arguing about like, why are they fighting for the interim title? It's like, yo, there's dudes waiting. You know what I mean? You can't just let them wait, continue waiting. Let's put something on the line. And and let's just say Volk is not able to go back to featherweight. Now you got a champion sitting there, right? Sitting there and they could defend the title. Now, Yair Rodriguez, 30 years old, 14 and three, one no contest record in the UFC is nine and two with one no contest. That's that whole Jeremy Stevens debacle. Uh, he's got wins over the Korean zombie, former title challenger, two-time former title challenger, Brian Ortega, former two-time title challenger, and Dan Hooker, 64% finishing rate, six TKOs, three submissions. Josh Emmett, 37 years old, 18 and two record, nine and two in the UFC, and he's riding a five-fight win streak. Wins over Calvin Cater, Shane Burgos, and Dan Ige. 44% finishing rate, six knockouts, two subs. And six of his finishes are in the first round. Man, this is a phenomenal one. Mike, I know you're... Yeah. You can't wait for this one. You know, it's amazing to me how some folks could be hating on this card. I think this is a fantastic card. I think this is one of the best cards that the UFC has put together in quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I go back to Josh Emmett, his fight against uh, Shane Burgos, where he tore his ACL in the beginning of the fight and uh, kept moving forward. I was on uh, Josh Emmett in that spot. And you talk about somebody who's going to fight for your money. He's that guy. Granted, he's going to be 38 years old in about a month or so, and uh, his time is limited. He has a limited shelf life here at Featherweight. Uh, he's shredded one of the um, best physiques in the Featherweight division, and it's a testament to his, uh, his self-discipline. Uh, but he also comes from a great camp in Team Alpha Male. Now, you look at the other side of the fight, and you have Yair Rodriguez, who is getting better fight after fight after fight. I was at Yair Rodriguez's last fight. Um, I was sitting with some of his family during that um, match, and they were 
telling me that uh, behind the scenes, he's been getting better and better and that uh, I should look out against Brian, uh, against Rodriguez T city that, uh, that Ortega was, was in trouble. And I had a play on Ortega in that, in that matchup. So they were not shocked when, uh, when Yair came out and, and took care of business there. Granted, there was a shoulder injury. I know Mr. Nicholson can speak to that, but, uh, in this specific matchup, uh, I have to lean towards Yair Rodriguez. I know that's going to shock some people here, but I think that when you talk about distance management, you talk about who's going to be able to get off at distance. Yair has a second layer that he's able to utilize with his kicking game that Emmett doesn't necessarily have. He uses Emmett uses his kicks as a threat to get his right hand into the pocket and land his power shots. And I don't think that Yair's going to fall for that. I know Yair's been lit up like a Christmas tree against folks like uh, Max Holloway and others. And Korean Zombie was doing a little bit of a number on him. But in this matchup, I think the longer the fight goes, you you see uh, you see Emmett struggle. And if we're being honest here, I thought that Josh Emmett lost his fight against Calvin Cater and that the Dan Ige fight was a very competitive matchup. And the odds didn't indicate that the odds were saying that, uh, that Emmett should have been much more. He should have won much more convincingly. So I'll be picking Yair Rodriguez in this fight. I, I, I think that there's the potential. I know that, uh, that Emmett tends to go to decision, but I think that Yair has the possibility to to win inside the distance and look at the way Emmett was busted up very badly against Calvin Cater. He's taken a lot of damage recently and you got to wonder I mean he's taking this fight across the he's he's crossing the globe just as Yair is but Yair's much younger, much quicker, much faster. Both of these guys have the will to win. Both of these guys have tremendous gas tanks, but I have a hunch that eventually Emmett is going to falter here late and that Yair is going to really come to pour it on and, and potentially win this fight inside the distance, but I'll be picking Yair Rodriguez. I, I it, it pains me though, because you do tremendous work with Josh and his interviews are the most authentic, the best interviews I've I've heard. Everything he says is what he means, and I do believe he's going to give it his best shot. This is his moment at glory. He's been waiting for this moment his entire life, and this is everything to him. So he's going to leave it all out there. But I think that Yair is just going to be a little too much. Chase back. Well, I'm building off a couple of things Mike said. The fans basically have a narrative set up. One that the movement of Yair is going to be too much for Emmett and that Emmett is going to have to set some kind of trap to be able to land his power, that Emmett has the power advantage that Yair doesn't have and that the durability of Emmett is in question, not so much in the fight, but just total amount of damage that has been accumulated over his career. Mike mentioned it. I think a lot of people feel that way. On the other side, though, um, the fans speaking loudly that they want Mr. Rodriguez to win 63% of the fans lining up for Yair. Um, gonna got a couple things to read though. Uh, counterpoints Dave Fretz said the fight is absolute fire, isn't and it isn't getting its necessary due because the gravity of the main event. 
I can't wait for Saturday. You know who liked that reply? Mr. Emmett himself. Mr. Emmett himself knows that this fight is going to be a banger. He's ready for it. And you know what? If you look at Yair's fights, he he like barely makes it out of them. Almost every single time the brother's leaving in a in a ambulance, he's legs swollen, broken, can barely walk. People talk about his fight against Max like he won the fight. It's a very interesting time where a man loses and he gets so much credit. Um, but I have to go against what the crowd is saying in this one. I'm going with Emmett. I think he has what it takes to be an interim champion. Man, Emmett, he's he's got a shotgun for a right hand. We've seen it many times. Uh, but he does go to the decision. The reason why is he sits back. He sits back and, and he loads up. and But he doesn't get tired, though. That's one thing that you got to remember. He doesn't get tired. He does take damage. But he sits back too much and, and ends up losing rounds a lot of the time. And then when he does land, it almost like sways the judges into putting the round into his favor just because it seems like he did more damage in the mm-hmm. round. And you don't know what the judges are looking for in this fight. That's the messed up part about this game is everywhere you go, every event, we don't know what the judges are looking for. I see this fight going to the decision. I don't even see a finish happening in this fight unless unless Josh Emmett goes in there and wrestles Yair Rodriguez, like a, like Frankie Edgar did. If he pursues, because Josh Emmett's background is in wrestling. He went to college wrestling, right? Like that's his bread and butter, but we never get to see it because he has fallen in love with his boxing. Yair standing up is just more versatile and he does have the knockout power and, and he can hit from many, many different angles. And I feel like if it stays on the feet, Yair is going to win the decision. Uh, it's going to be hard for Josh Emmett to, to knock out Yair Rodriguez, you know what I mean? And he doesn't kick that much either. So it's not like he's going to be able to fake with the kicks, you know, like a Max Holloway or someone like that. Um, Man, I I wouldn't be shocked if Emmett goes out there and just blows uh, Rodriguez's head off and becomes interim champ. But logically, making a pick, I think Rodriguez gets a five-round decision and and he he uses that versatility on the feet. but who knows, man? We've seen wilder things happen. We've seen guys bring out new skill sets or or things that they haven't shown in the octagon, you know, from time to time. But yeah, I'm taking Rodriguez. I'm gonna go for the decision um, for this one. Now let's move on. Uh, before we move on, we got a little comment from Well Rider. He says, "I wouldn't bet on this fight personally." But yeah, it's a it's a tight one, man. It's a super super tight fight right there. Um, here we go. Main event time, main event time, we get a super fight. This is legit a super fight. Not just like Dana White and the UFC is telling us it's a super fight. This is a super fight. We got pound for pound number one versus pound for pound number two. Mahachev versus Volkanovsky. Mahachev, 31 years old, 23-1 and record, 12-1 and in the UFC, 11-fight win streak. He's got wins over Charles Oliveira, Dan Hooker, and Armin Sarukian. 65% finishing rate, 11 subs, 4 TKOs, 9 first round finishes. On the flip side, you got the challenger, the the featherweight champ Alex Volkanovski, 34 years old, 25 and 1, 12 and 0 in the UFC, 22 fight win streak. Wins over Max Holloway, 3 wins over Max Holloway, not one win, 3 wins over Max Holloway. Korean Zombie and Jose Aldo, all phenomenal, all-time greats at 145. 60% finishing rate, 
um, 12 TKOs and three submissions. And his only loss as a professional was at welterweight. Just let that sink in. His only loss at a professional was at welterweight. Before we get to Mike and his analysis of this phenomenal, phenomenal matchup, we will play a snippet from my interview with Falkonowski. I'll get a bit more technical with this, where usually when I'm fighting other guys, I know their chances are more likely to be a puncher's chance, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I've got more of a safe net on the feet. I can't take too... I may, I, I'm the type of uh, champion or fighter that I will take some risks. Like, you know, I mean, I, 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 am, I do put a bit of pressure. I do attack. I, 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 am, uh, I do throw a fair bit of volume. But um, I still have a bit of a safe net around it. With this one... I will have a safe net, but I need to capitalize on the feet. I can't sit there and and just take my time and be real patient and be so worried on the feet because I can. I don't want to let rounds get taken away from me. I need to capitalize, and that's why I feel like I get a finish. So I've never really had to capitalize on the feet as much as I want to now. So I feel like I'm getting the finish, believe it or not. So I feel like it's going to be more of a stand-up battle. Mike, what do you got for us? Wow, wow, this... This is a tremendous matchup, and and I stress that because Volkanovski could have stayed at 145 pounds. I honestly don't think that he's completely cleaned out the featherweight division, but one thing that really impressed me, and I've had a tremendous amount of success backing Alex throughout his run here in the UFC, is that he wants to test himself, and not he isn't just testing himself against uh, an ordinary talent. He's talent. He's testing himself against one of uh, the greatest fighters at 155 pounds, Islam Mahachev, who it, he's he has the ability to completely stifle opponents. And uh, Dan Tom spoke about risk control, and I believe that that is a clear. Um, something that I'm sure Alex is aware of headed into this matchup. He's going to have to make his moments count the striking. I believe there is a massive disparity here that Alex Volkanovsky is a elite, elite striker. And I do not think that Islam Makhachev is an elite striker. I don't even think his striking defense is, is uh, par with, with the lightweight division. I think he loses most striking matchups if he ends up uh, trading with them. But the problem is his grappling is beyond a difference maker. Uh, the Sarukian fight, um, the, there have been so many other fights where he just renders his opponent, uh, their game is useless. Now, I do believe that Volkanovski is going to come in here on home turf and he's not going to give up on himself. The one thing I... I Every time he makes the walk to the octagon, I pay attention to what he says into the camera, and it's always something to his fans, like, I, I've got this in the bag, or I, I'm doing this for you. And then he goes out there and he does it. Uh, he's an incredibly intelligent fighter. He's able to have a plan B and a plan C. Now, what is what plan C does he have here? It, it, he specifically spoke about not losing rounds and not giving away rounds he knows he's going to have to make every moment count on the feet uh, when they're standing <sighs> this is a very very close matchup and the odds are very wide so i personally i see a lot of people on the twitter timeline saying that makachev is going to come in here and smash volkanovsky i do see this fight ending inside the distance one way or the other i think that 
eventually the size could potentially make uh there could be a, a difference uh, in in the size that ends up swaying the the fight just that lightweight and featherweight that's a big difference 10 pounds when you're 145 pounds versus 155 pounds and we know makachev he drains himself tremendously to make that limit so this may come as a shock also but i'm going to be leaning and picking the underdog here alex volkanovsky i think that the uh the lack of striking uh lack of attention to detail in the striking department on makachev's side is going to come back to haunt him here i know he's the he's an incredible grappler one of the best and one of the best at obviously at the division but i think he could win a lot of fights but 170 pounds too makachev so i think he gets caught here i think he gets caught and dropped and i think that uh that volkanovsky shocks the world i i think that's a that might be a, a bit of a hot take but I got to go not only with my gut, but what I see in the tape too, the just huge discrepancy in skill set regarding the stand-up and also the game planning from Volkanovsky. I think that's going to be in effect here. Um, it's it's either going to be a Makachev submission or a Volkanovsky knockout, and I'm going to be leaning Volkanovsky knockout. I apologize for being long-winded, but this fight really deserves attention to detail, and and I try to give it that. Oh, appreciate it, man. Jay Speck, what do you got? Attention. That's what this fight's getting. Is getting from the fans. Is getting it from us. Uh, a couple of comments left by the fans. So thank you guys for participating in the fan polls on Twitter. Uh, Addy Fanart says, Islam is going to be surprised by Volk's cardio and stamina. Alex is going to be amazed by Makashev's level of control on the ground. Volk wins by decision because he's going to be crafty. Uh, we have another one from... Uh, Michelangelo, Volk's going to have to utilize his footwork and constantly gain space from Islam while trying to fire off strikes without having Islam catch him in a clinch. The work rate he had in the Max 3 fight, he's going to have to double that versus Islam. The, these are the, the kind of things people are saying, bringing up. I um, I, I want to bring up Spawn's point. People forget Volk fought at middleweight a few times. That being said, I think Islam takes it. Well, all right, there we go. We got some straight from the people's mouths, what they feel, what they think about this fight. On the other hand, I think there's a little bit of, of narratives that have been said that I'm going to say for other people. One, that Makashev probably can't finish Volk. And this is like a healthy mystique growing around Volkanovsky. He can't be knocked out. How are you going to knock him out? He can't even touch him. He can't be submitted. Brothers covered in uh, oil. I mean, he was deep with that Ortega escape that everybody lives on forever. So it's like, how is Makashev even going to win? That's one of, one part of the story. But the other part of the bonus for Makashev is he should be stronger, right? Naturally, the bigger man naturally competing at a, a bigger weight classes throughout his career in general besides Volkanovski's tour uh, of weight classes. Now, on the other side, Volkanovski's in a no-lose situation. No-lose. People basically looking at this as a free chance for Volkanovski to go up a weight class, grab a belt, get all the accolades with it. But if he loses, it's not going to hurt his prestige at all. It's not going to bum out Volkanovski at all. So it's I feel like this this script uh, that doesn't match the, the betting line at all, I feel like the story is Volkanovski should win uh, according to the people's take, anyways, uh, 54% of the fans siding with Mr. Volkanovsky to be double champ. Wow. There we go. Wow. So my vote is also with the people. 
just by a little bit. I'm not too confident in this one. Volkanovski. Man, I look at it like this. If you had a million dollars to put on this fight, who would you put your money on with the odds and all of that? And let's say there is no odds. You're just picking them straight up. Like there's no odds. You pick them straight up. You put a million dollars, you win a million dollars. Whoever wins. I look at it like that. And I'm thinking nine out of ten times, you have to go with the favorite. You have to go with uh, you have to go with Islam. You have to go with the 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 bigger man, the guy that hasn't lost a round, the guy that doesn't take much damage, the guy that's just stellar at what he does. He's a specialist. Like people talk about specialists. Islam is a specialist, just like Volkanovsky is, right? Islam's a specialist at getting guys to the ground and keeping them there and just blanking them, right? And then making them or even letting them make mistakes so he could take over and, and mm -hmm. stop them, right? That's what he does. Islam is phenomenal at that. And, uh, man, it's it's crazy that that the UFC is allowing us to, to have this fight. You know what I mean? I love it. I love that they're doing it. If there was money on it, like a million dollars, I would have to take Vulcan. I would have to take Islam. I would have to take Islam. It's just the, the proper bet to make. But there's no million dollars on it. There isn't. So well, who am I take it? I, I love the underdogs. I love it. And I could see, like Mike said, I could see Volkanovsky being able to weather the storm. The man is just un he's un undeterred. Like his goal is to be the best. His goal is not even the belt. It's, I don't even think he's talked about winning the belt. I think he's just talked about beating the best guy out there and like continuing to chase greatness. I don't even think he's even talked about like, I want to be, you know, like, of course, the winning the belt, the lightweight title is going to lead to, you know, greater things, but he just wants to be great. You know what I mean? He just wants to take on the challenge that nobody wants to take on. You know, I mean? even, even Islam said, nobody has called me out. Only person that has called me out is Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky is a man that is on a mission, right? And and how could you not back that, right? And uh, like I said, if there was a million dollars on it, I would take Mahatev, don't get me wrong, but you gotta back the man with that story, man. He is he is who he is. And, uh, and, and I've had the opportunity to been around him a few times. I've had the opportunity of seeing him train. I've had the opportunity of grappling him, Volkanovsky. And just meeting mm -hmm. the person, you know what I mean? The guy, you know, the, him being around his family. I've been around all that, you know what I mean? I've seen that. And uh, you, it's hard not to like him. It's hard not to support a person like that, right? And and what he stands for and what he's done for the sport and what he's doing for Australia and all of that stuff. So when you go look at that pick, man, and, and this is just a pick off, I guess, bias, I'm going to have to take Volkanovski and I'm going to have to take knockout. I'm going to take the third round. I think that's what I'm going to do. I think, um, look at that right there. People, look at it. Look at that right there. Volkanovsky. It, it's, he's sitting at 34% and 65% or 66% of people on the app are taking Mahachev. And 67% of the people are picking submission. And they're all picking fourth round. 50% of them are picking fourth round. You look at the statistics right there on the app. Everybody, go download the app. It's in the descriptions. Make your picks. Join us. Uh, let's get to some of these comments before we get out of here. You know, we got a little bit of time. We got a uh, well rider vault via heel hook. Yeah, I put up a post. Uh, I think yesterday I said, you know, what would be more crazy? Would it be a, a spinning, like spinning back fist knockout by uh, Mahachev or a heel hook submission by uh, 
by Volkanovsky. And I would love to see either one. That would just be crazy, right? Just something that's out of the ordinary. And I even told Volk when I interviewed him, because I actually got a chance to fly down to Phuket during this training camp when he was in Phuket. And that interview was me sitting in the room with him after a training session talking about the fight. And uh, and I told him to his face during the interview, like, I don't know what to expect. I'm expecting the unexpected. I'm Everybody's thinking this will happen or that will happen, but I think something crazy will happen. And and that's when he said all of his breakdown about the fight. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, Ryder, Anzacs, we got Omar. That dick riding is crazy. Classic all-star page. And when Islam shits on him, what are you talking? I just told you if I had a million dollars on the... I would pick Islam to win nine out of ten times. This dude, Omar, why you gotta like this? It's funny. It's funny that you you you'll say you'll pick the guy, but then you're dick riding if you pick another guy. It's uh, it's kind of funny to me. Anyways, what's going on? Am I frozen again? Slightly no. frozen. We hear you though. Yeah. All right. Got, um, all right. So uh, we got some other comments here. If Volk beats Islam, he's top ten all time in my opinion. Let's get to that. Mike, if yeah. Volk goes in there and defeats, handily defeats Islam, right? And there's no even like a, uh, even like Dana White even even entertaining a rematch. Where does that put him in that goat conversation? Right, I would put him right up there. I mean, you look at the guy he's beaten uh, Max Holloway three times. He's beaten Jose Aldo, and and then if he moves up a division and wins the belt against uh, a dominant. Dagestani grappler uh yeah he's one of the goats if not 100 percent jay spec you know i don't want recency bias to to get all in my vote here i would i would put him in the top five i want to leave argumentative room i also want to see if he'll defend either or one or both belts because all of that changes it i mean that to me those scenarios move you from fifth to first so who knows uh but yeah i would give him fifth all time just because recency bias i don't want to put him too high i'm not saying he doesn't deserve a better spot if if islam wins this fight where does he go i'm thinking he wins this fight he's gonna go chase after that welterweight title this is my view on mm. what's gonna happen next so just a just a constant exchange of champion versus champion and everybody trying to grab two belts at the same time um i'm here i'm back i'm back here we go can you guys hear me yes gotcha. sir all right all right so so i was saying you know what's next for islam he goes in there completely destroys volkanovsky you know what's next for him my prediction is the man is also chasing greatness he'll become the pound for pound number one he's a lightweight champion he's this unbeatable force he's got the force field around him i say he he calls out the welterweight champ i say he says i'm going to london for the for the uzman edwards fight whoever wins that fight i'm gonna fight them and i'm gonna go chase after double champ status why would the ufc not allow him to do that they're allowing volkanovsky to do it you know what i mean i understand he doesn't have no title defenses and all of that stuff but he's pound for pound number one there's a reason why you become pound for pound number one right is to go out there and do things that people don't want you to do Mike, what do you think of what's yeah, next? Yeah, no, I I agree. He he would deserve that fight, and I would be interested in seeing what the odds end up in that fight. Also, when you talk about Volkanovski, I think uh, Ivloev and Toporia 
there are there are a few fighters down at featherweight who are contenders down there as well too so both of these fighters have unfinished business i mean 155 also i mean there's i mean if you rerun if you rebook the uh, sarukian fight with islam i'd like to see that as well too because the last time they fought uh sarukian was what like 23 years old something like that so this both there are so many opportunities out there and the other thing is edwards i mean he he's not a perfect fighter we've seen usman he's proven that he's not a perfect fighter so uh anything can happen on any given night and we are grateful for this Saturday in Perth. I wish I could be there, to be honest. That's uh, something I had planned to fly out there with my family for the event, but it uh, just wasn't meant to be this time around. I'm really looking forward to it. What about you, Jay Speck? What do you think happens if Islam goes in there and completely just, it just wins, you know what I mean? He retains the title. What does he do next? You know, I think it doesn't help quell the haters. I think he's going to have to, not have to, but the people are going to want to see him defend his, his weight class, defend his belt uh, against a proper, and not, not taking Volkanovski is not a proper opponent, but you know what I'm saying, a member of that weight class established. Uh, I, I feel like Islam is always going to have to unfortunately prove shit to us before everybody really goes, yeah, yeah, go, go fight wh whoever you want to fight, whatever matchup you want to fight. The thing is, I maybe just call me like uh i don't know what you call me call me whatever you want but the point is i think that champions should defend their belt three times before getting to jump to another weight class and take on another belt that's just my personal opinion i think there should be three defenses and then you're allowed to go mess up other weight classes if you're that great so that's my take all right, let's get to some of these comments we got omar again he says islam's grappling pressure is too elite we agree with you we we yeah. do not disagree. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows that his his uh grappling is uh legit. Um, let's see, Zach, you literally can't pick against Islam without people bitching. That is that is definitely true, Zach. Zach, you're right, man. You can't if you pick against the favorite, the guy that everybody expects to win, you know, the people start getting sour about it all the time. Hype MMA, he says he'll become top three GOAT. That's a possibility, you know. That's your opinion. Um, Dylan G. What's your fight of the night? Mine's Kulabal Melsic. Yeah, go earlier in the in the in the show and and listen to our breakdown. We also said that Kulabal Melsic, uh, Brown versus uh, Jack Della. Those are probably two of the main uh, fight of the nights coming up. You know, outside of the 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 co-main and the main event. Um, Omar again. He says that being said, if Volk wins, he's top five all time. Hey, look at Omar. Omar's getting both sides of the story. That's cool that you're uh you're showing uh you know, you know some uh some un unbiased so to say um let's let's listen to the, the one i love these guys these guys are the best right here look at them islam mm -hmm. is gonna make it look easy yet again that's most likely gonna happen there's a 90 percent chance that's why he's the favorite that's why he's the lightweight champ let's go islam mahachev mm -hmm. yes we said that earlier uh all these all-stars are uh, thank you for calling us all-stars because you know <laughs> there's not many places you could go where you call people all-stars are Lo losers we're losers okay and this chinese guy first off i'm not chinese i don't know why you think I'm it's chinese. korean get it right yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah. and uh is the biggest hater of islam and dagestanis of just <laughs> you uh. these are the best commenters you know why is because they bring the algorithm up for this channel 
and they get people involved in the comments and they watch all my videos. And that's why I love you guys. Islam fans, Habib fans, I love you guys because you guys watch everything that I do and comment on all the posts and, and I read them all. I do read them all and I and I enjoy your analysis of uh, of the fights. But usually when there's a huge favorite, and Mike, you know that, and you've watched a lot of interviews, and J-Spec has seen a lot of interviews, that usually when there's a huge favorite, you don't ask why the favorite's going to win because the favorite is the favorite for a reason that we know, right? You always ask, why do you think the underdog will get in yeah. there and get it path done? path to victory. Yeah, the mm -hmm. path to victory. And a lot of these guys think that that means that I think Islam is going to lose. I don't think Islam. I told you if I had a million dollars, I'm going to bet on Islam. Uh, Whale Rider, Volk is, uh, Volk is the GOAT if wins. Marcus, I think Islam can fight at 172. I think Islam can fight at 172. I think he could compete at 170. I think he could become a top five fighter at 170. He's a monster. He's a beast. Cuts a lot of weight, too. Yeah, cuts a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. um, Professor Chaos, Darius can't be denied after he beats Charles. Um, yeah, man, Darius is uh, he's a phenomenal talent as well. You know what I mean? Like this guy, is a, he's a serious threat to everybody in that division. Um, and he's more well-rounded than, than a lot of guys. And Benil deserves a shot, and Allen for Volk. That's that's I, I can't disagree with that, man. And uh, we got Michael Panza. I can't definitely see Islam moving up to 170 eventually. Omar, he has a question for us. We'll go to you. Do you think Islam being Southpaw gives Alex any problems, Mike? That's a perfect question for you, man. Yeah, I I think he's going to be prepared. I think it, Alex's team, they're top notch. They'll be ready, and. The other, you may see Islam trying to throw feints to get, uh, to get Alex to overcommit, and then that would be a way that Islam ends up taking the fight to the mat. So I don't think it's going to give him many problems. I think the feints could be a potential issue, but but then you have to wonder Islam, his striking on the feet. I'm not I'm, I'm not impressed with the striking on the feet. I know people saw. Charles Oliveira got dropped by Islam, but to me that didn't uh that didn't tell me much. Yeah, it's man, Islam is if you look at prior performances and you compare their striking, Islam is still developing his striking. You know, what I mean he's still finding his footing with the striking to see what is the most effective way. He's working with Javier Mendez. He has Phenomenal coaches, man. Like it's not like he doesn't have phenomenal coaches, but he's so good at one aspect of his game that it, that's kind of like his backup plan. He's a specialist, like yeah, he's a specialist. Yeah, 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 it's a specialist. Volk as well, you know. What I mean, Volk is a specialist in the striking. And the crazy part is, he started off as like a wrestler type fighter yeah. that threw haymakers and then developed into this like proficient, um, technical, like. In, in some ways, uh, like a like a flawless, like like malleable, like a, he can adjust so well. You know what I mean? Like just game planning, fight IQ, just seeing things, and his physical attributes actually help for the divisions that he fights at too. Because he's much shorter, but has a longer reach than all the fighters that he fights. He has a reach advantage in this fight, exactly right. And uh, he has the short legs, which allow him to be his movement. I think it helps because he has shorter legs. Like he can skate. Like when you watch him fight, and and, and especially in the Max Holloway fights, it seems like he's on skates, because he's like he, he kind of glides around. You know what I mean? You like he's like he hits you from the left and he moves to the right and like it's side to side, up and down, backwards, forwards. It's just 
it's just wild, man. And I got the opportunity to learn some of that style, you know, from a coach. And uh, when I was in Thailand, and man, it's hard to do. It's just hard. Like, it's just like the movement and just trying mm -hmm. to understand it and get to it. It's, it the is thing that impressed, the thing that impressed me most, most about Volkanovsky is when he decides to go, when he decides it's time to strike and commit and make his uh, commitment, it's, it's uh, very difficult for opponents. They're not prepared for it. I'm not sure how he's able to do that, to be honest, but um, I don't think the rest of the division has caught up with that. And I, I don't think Islam's going to be prepared. But then the question is, how long is this fight going to play out at distance on the feet? It may not at all. I mean, he may get grounded and then they he may get ridden for mm -hmm. multiple minutes. Robert, you were going to say something? Oh, I just want to jump in on this love fest going for vote because I think the thing that you can put on his labeling is he's a neutralizer. And that's an aspect that you find in all the all-time greats, all right? So when you look at other fighters, you go, oh, he's got a great train, or he's got great power, he's got speed, or this or that. When you talk about Volt, he's a neutralizer. He takes whatever the hell you're supposed to be good at and shrinks the possibility of you winning by that to zero. And all-time greats like Anderson Silva did it, and many others. So when you, when you have a guy that can do that, the weight slowly becomes not as big of a factor. I'm going to borrow an old phrase from boxing, though, on the other hand. A good big man beats a great little man. And that's all that has to happen. That's all that has to happen in this fight. So, you know. Islam's, a, when you really look at it on the flip side, Islam's kind of like the same way, just in a different, just he just has a different avenue, right? He's kind of like Volkanovsky, but just he just has a different avenue of what he does. It's just, he's great. At what he does, Falcon is mm -hmm. great. What is what he does? You know, they're in two different weight classes, and if we get this rare moment, because let's say if Connor was in Volk's position and he's moving up to fight Islam, this would we would be saying Islam clear as day. Would you be saying Islam as clear as day? Yeah, from like what we saw of of Connor back in the day and moving Absolutely. up, yeah, you got one shot chance for connor at the time i mean but it would be like plus 300 plus 400 odds i would say right exactly. off the top of my head yeah. so it wouldn't even like be as close as what people are talking about now because you see like a lot of people and i know a lot of emotions go into it as well you know what i mean you like the underdog you like the the story you like the man you know what i mean and and, and you always like to see a uh, 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 unbeatable force fall eventually, right? And that's what position, uh, that's the position Islam is in. And uh, that's what makes this fight so great, man. Um, and a lot of people think that we're hating on um, Islam. We're not hating on Islam. Islam is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal talent. He's going to go down as one of the best ever. Habib as well. But these are all, they're all cut from the same cloth. They just have different avenues of, of how they execute. But they're all cut. They're all great. You know what I mean? They all are. And we get to see that actually happen. I would have loved to see Habib fight. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex. That would have oh. been a great fight to be. Wow. To be yeah, that would have. And I think Islam has a better. Like if you compare Habib and. Uh, and somebody in the comments was talking about Javier. Uh, right here. Matthew Batino. He said Javier Mendez said Islam is better than Habib. And I've heard many people say that. Even I interviewed Mike Swick. Mike Swick, a longtime veteran of. American kickboxing was there when Habib and uh, and Islam first got to American top team and saw them all develop. And he said the same thing. It's like, if there's anybody that's more well-rounded than Habib or better than Habib, it's Islam. And 
and that's true. Like, why would you, how could you argue that? You know I mean? Islam has shown that in the cage. Um, let's see some of these other comments. Uh, let's see, let's see. We got Antoine uh, Willis. Really enjoyed the breakdown Austin show, guys. Appreciate you, Willis, Antoine Willis, man. Um, yeah, man, we're going to do these every week. So, so come along and, uh, and comment. Uh, let's see. Marcus Mustard. Hell yeah. Islam can be a neutral. Yeah. Islam complete neutralizer. He's like the equalizer, you know, like that movie with, uh, with Denzel Washington. Um, the one my man, you guys hate them. It's clear as day. I have, I have seen millions of videos. Number one, we don't have millions of videos. I don't know how to say millions of videos. Uh, Marcus back Marcus Khabib is same age as Volk. That's pretty wild, right? Habib is the same age as Volk. Man, I love this. Um, it's it's going to be an incredible weekend. I was going to go there. It just was going to cost too much money for me to get there and I'm and I'm I'm taking care of some things at home and and I and I couldn't make it cuz it's a historic moment, man, right there. That card is a historic card. Islam versus uh Volkanovski. But I got to go to Thailand for 2 weeks. I got to see Volkanovski trained a couple times, got to interview him and and get the vibe from him and uh and uh yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be a wild weekend in Perth. Thank you thank you everybody for joining us. Make sure you guys go in the descriptions, download the All-Star app and make your picks along with us. We'll be back uh next week for another pick show on Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. But before that, I'll have Dan Hooker on the post fight show on Sunday morning maybe. I don't know. It's it's Monday over here since Dan is also in New Zealand. Dan just uh, broke his hand, so he can't fight uh, Jalen Turner. Sad story. Sucks to see that happen, but what can you do? Thank you, Heal everybody, up, for your time. Yeah, man, it was, man. Thank you, everybody. See you guys next week. Bye.